This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. What's up, everybody? <laughs> everybody in the club getting tipsy. Ready in this bitch is what I was going to say. But. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. Here we are. It's episode 74. Five. 75. Oh my God. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a milestone marker right there. Yeah. Just sure. a little bit. And it's um, crimes that inspired movies. Yeah. That sounds like fun. It is a fun one. <laughs> I like this one. Go to the Facebook and the Instagram and there's a Twitter. You can go there if you want. Yeah. It's, it's still around. This is coming to you on a Wednesday. Yeah. So you know what that means. It's home day. Okay, this uh, hump day treat is brought to you by yours truly. Yay, Brittany! And Whisk Dessert Bar. Mm-hmm. So. I'm here for this shit. Um, we ate here's, here's an awkward story at my expense. First. Okay. So, <laughs> so there was a time last season where we were supposed to get our hump day treat from Whisk. And I've never been there before. And Same. I pulled up and it's in this cute little shopping center. And there's only like three places in there. But one of them is like this bougie ass men's clothes store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you got to yeah. park right in front of this bougie ass men's clothes store. Hey. And so when I pulled up on that particular day, I was wearing the most ill-fitting ripped up jeans <laughs> that I own and a t-shirt. <laughs> and my hair looked very much like it looks right now. And I pull up and I'm parked there and I'm looking at these people coming in and out of the store and I'm looking at all the people sitting inside whisk because there's a place where you can sit. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going in there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm super awkward anyways. And I don't like to walk into new places by myself. (laughs) And then I was dressed how I was dressed and I, I was looking rough. Girl. And so Go that's probably dessert. one of the weeks that we ate something from like Berkshire's <laughs> because I was not going in there. This time I was dressed a little bit more like a grown up. Well, that's so good. I went inside and there wasn't as many people. So I went inside. Cool. And I'm super glad I did. Me too. Because I put together this little, um, little sampler treats. So they're special right now since it's Mardi Gras season is yeah. king cake cheesecake. And oh my god. Uh holy shit. It's so good and it's so pretty. I know I almost didn't want to mess it up, but after I tasted it, I didn't care. This girl's thick. It was worth it. Yeah, she is. She's thick. thick. And uh it's like a layer of king cake yeah. with cheesecake on top and then all this like swirly twirly beautiful goodness. Mardi Gras drizzle yeah. on top. And then there's what I learned today is called a bouchon. Yeah. Which is a French brownie. One of my new favorite things. Mm-hmm. And it has chocolate chips in it. Mm-hmm. So good. And they put this l- pretty little powdered sugar fleur de lis on the top. Yeah. I love the little touches. And then got just a basic chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. It's good. And the last thing I put in there is a brown butter snickerdoodle. Bitch. 
because snickerdoodles are my favorite cookie. Same. And this one is delish. Yeah, it's probably one of the best snickerdoodles I've ever had. But if you're local, Whisk is right off of Line Avenue, like across from Bougie Berkshire's. Yeah, the perfect spot. Yeah. So it's over there. And then I also got a super cheapo bottle of wine. Thanking you, friend. Yes, it's a pink Moscato. So it's sweet. And it's Gallo family. Mm -hmm. It was $11 for a giant bottle. And yeah. I stopped at our friendly neighborhood Highland Liquor Store for that. So <laughs> there we go. I love every single bit of the homemade tree. Happy humping, friends. You, you did. A, yes, happy humping. <laughs> you did fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Let's do some um, some crime stuff. Okay. Okay. Why not? I chose Changeling. Yes. And funny story. No. Yeah. I picked this because I love this case. I had never seen the movie. Yeah, this case. Oh, I've seen the movie. I watched the movie today. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's good. So I don't 100% of the time love Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. But I but loved her in this. This, this was real like it showed off some really good acting skills i love her in specific movies mm -hmm. probably my favorite movie with her in it is girl interrupted oh fuck yes i fucking love that movie yes yeah but uh this was really good like i really liked her in this so you ever seen gia <clears throat> no highly recommend it was uh, it may have been her first or if not her like outbreak okay roll Duly noted. Yeah. Go watch that. Okay. Okay. If any story proves truth can be stranger than fiction, it's this one. Okay. It began in Los Angeles on March 10th, 1928. Christine Collins, a manager at a telephone company, sent her nine-year-old son, Walter, to the movies. Yeah. I have a picture of Christine and Walter, if you want to go to the notes. Yes. It says, Walter and Christine. Thank you. Oh, so there they are. Look how precious he is. I'm living for her hat right now. Very much so. And the coat. I want it. 20 style is fabulous. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. He loves his mommy. Mm -hmm. Look at that. But she never saw him again. Mm -hmm. Though the LAPD would have loved to convince her otherwise. Uh-huh. The events of the disappearance were dramatized in the 2008 film Changeling which starred Angelina Jolie. Have a picture of the movie movie poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why are her lips so perfect all the time? All the time. And it's natural. All the time. It's not fair. Mm -mm. So there's that. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the meat and taters. Okay. Walter was last seen around 5 p.m. by a neighbor at the corner of Pasadena Avenue and North Avenue 23 in Lincoln Heights. When Walter didn't return, Christine was at first convinced her son's disappearance was an act of retribution against his father, Walter Collins Sr., a con man and robber who was serving time at Folsom State Prison for armed robbery. All right. That's a good place. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Christine's cries for help didn't fall on deaf ears. The case received nationwide attention and the LAPD followed up on hundreds of leads. Pressure on local law enforcement increased as the public demanded to know why this boy hadn't been returned to his mother. <laughs> the LAPD, which is total garbage, <laughs> was already under investigation for several corruption scandals and their inability to locate Walter Collins was embarrassing. 
Yeah. The police chief, James Davis, was under a lot of pressure to solve the case. Walter's father thought former prison inmates were responsible for his son's disappearance in an attempt to get revenge. Mm. He worked at the prison's cafeteria and was responsible for reporting other inmates' infractions. Oh, well, yeah, that's a huge possibility Mm. there. Yeah, with this sort of job, it's possible that he made more than a few enemies. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Amanda. You're welcome. (laughs) But that theory never led to anything. Several tips came in, but nothing turned out to be very useful. A gas station attendant in Glendale, Richard Struthers, reported seeing a dead boy wrapped in newspaper in the back of a car when a foreign couple stopped to ask for directions. What the fuck? I know. I'm sorry, what? So, gas station man saw a dead boy in a car, so he called the police. Okay. A man named C.V. Staley followed the couple when they left the gas station. The couple stopped for a few moments in front of the police station and then sped out of town, losing Staley. When the police showed Struthers and Staley Walter Collins' photo, they both said that he was the boy in the back of the car. Other tips came in about a couple traveling across the state with a boy who was begging them to let him go. Mm. (laughs) Five months after Walter's disappearance, there was a new development. A boy in Illinois claimed to be Christine's son. Mm -hmm. She agreed to pay for the child's train ticket to Los Angeles. When she arrived at the reunion the LAPD had arranged, she saw immediately that the boy wasn't her son. Even though she said that that wasn't her son, they still encouraged her to just try, to just Uh give it a try. Are you stupid or something? So here's a picture of them together at the reunion, her giving it a try, hugging this little boy who's quite obviously not her son. Doesn't look anything like her son. I'm looking, I'm I'm comparing the other photo of them together. Yeah, they don't look alike. Nope. At all. No. They might be the same age, but that's I mean, about they it. have a few similar features, but I... Man, they no, heads ain't even like shaped you, the same way. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many differences. No, and a mama knows her baby, okay? Uh, yeah. Doesn't matter how many months have gone by. No. She said he resembled Walter, but it definitely wasn't him. That wasn't the only thing strange. When the police questioned the boy about the kidnapping and how he'd ended up in Illinois, the story didn't make any sense. The doctors felt the boy was keeping a secret, but they couldn't get it out of him. Mm. Unfortunately, lots of children go missing. So what made this story worthy of a Clint Eastwood movie was that LAPD Captain J.J. Jones's response. J.J. Jones. Okay. Here we go. Sounds like a porn star. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Buckle up, motherfuckers. Okay. (laughs) Instead of apologizing to Christine, reimbursing the money she'd spent on the train ticket, and vowing to find her real son, Jones insisted she try the boy out. (laughs) That is so fucked up. I know. Jones was insistent, so Christine struggled to convince herself the strange boy was her son for three weeks. Finally, she'd had enough. She brought Walter's dental records and a group of friends to the police station. Her friends, teachers, doctors, you know, People in the community that knew Walter. Yeah. So she, with her. Okay, good. But they backed her up, and they also insisted the child wasn't Walter Collins. Rather than back down and admit his mistake, Jones got angry. Oh, my God. According to the Los Angeles Times, Jones allegedly accused Christine of shirking her duty as a mother and trying to make <laughs> fools of the police. What a dick. I don't like him. No, thank you, please. No. You are the most cruel-hearted woman I've ever known. You're a fool, he apparently told her. Okay. Nope. According to the Los Angeles Times, that's what he said to her. Okay. 
Not only did Jones refuse to believe Christine's protest that the boy was not her son, he had her committed to the psychiatric ward of the Los Angeles County Hospital. (laughs) He must have had his own doubts by then, because during the first five days she was in the hospital... Jones got a startling confession from the boy. Yeah. So he brought, they brought the kid in to talk to him while she was in the hospital. The child finally admitted he was not Walter Collins. His name was Arthur Hutchins. He was a 12 year old runaway who'd pretended to be Walter so he could get a free trip to Hollywood and meet his favorite star, Tom Mix. Who is Tom Mix? I don't fucking know. I didn't care enough to Google it. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. A 1928 movie star. There you go. Arthur spent more than two years in the Iowa State Training School for Boys in Eldora, Iowa, as a result of his actions. So he didn't get off scot-free. Christine was finally released from the hospital 10 days after Hutchins confessed, and she immediately sued Jones and the LAPD. Yes. She won, but never saw a penny of the judgment. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, she, she got nothing. So what happened to the real Walter Collins? Walter's disappearance wasn't the only one around this time. Nelson and Lewis Winslow, 10 and 12 years old, went missing on their way home to Pomona on May 16, 1928. Their parents received strange letters from them. They first said they were heading to Mexico, and in the second letter, they said they planned to stay missing as long as they could to become famous. The people didn't connect these two disappearances together at first. They also didn't find a connection between these cases and the headless body of a Latino boy they found in La Puente in February. Oh, my God. Okay. So all these things are happening, but they're not tying them together because they're they're so different. Yeah. And with none of these connections made, a neighbor's complaint about a man mistreating a boy at his poultry farm didn't appear to be relevant either. What the? Okay. I'll, I'll explain everything. Okay. The Wineville Chicken Coop murders are one of the most notorious crimes in California state history. Mm-hmm. It is a story of horror and corrupt horror. horror. It is a story of horror <laughs> and corruption of the Los Angeles Police Department. The drama and secrets involved are still being uncovered today, and the movie The Changeling only skims the depth of the real drama. Yeah, yeah, drama. So much. <laughs> yeah, the, it's going down for real. Wow. Okay, yeah. Samford Clark was a victim of his uncle, Gordon Stewart Northcott's devious acts. When he was 13, Clark was kidnapped by his uncle and brought down to a ranch in Wineville where he was severely abused. I'm just saying Wineville sounds like a good place. It did sound like a good place. It did, well, I mean, except for all this stuff. But I like the name. So I have a picture of Sanford. Okay. So if you go to the picture that says Sanford. Ah. Hmm. Oh, my Overalls and a dress shirt. He's got on his good ones today. No, nah, girl, them's working clothes. <laughs> them's farm boy clothes. What you talking about? I don't know. He put on the dress shirt for the photo, so he's... It looks like a work shirt. No, oh, girl, that's his good stuff. That's 1920s. That's a work shirt. <laughs> okay, and then I have a picture of the farm. So if okay. you want to go to where it says farm, you see the small house and then, like, the chicken coops oh, okay. and barn yeah. area. Oh, that's pretty. Back yeah. behind them. Well, the land is pretty. Yes, yes. That's what I was, I was talking say, about. The house looks like a box. <laughs> Tissue box house. I, I was looking at all the stuff behind it. <laughs> Gordon Northcott kidnapped, sexually abused, and murdered at least three and possibly as many as 20 young boys. Jeez. Shortly after Clark moved in, Northcott went scouting for young boys and would bring them back to the ranch. I should have trigger warninged. 
I chose Changeling. The boys always felt comfortable getting in the car with Northcott, seeing young Clark sitting in the passenger seat. Yeah. Northcott usually made up stories such as, your parents were in a terrible car accident and they asked me to bring you to the hospital to see you. Hop in, I'll drive you. Well, that's a bit dramatic. Yeah. Okay, but it worked. He, I mean, he went the extra mile. Mm-hmm. The boys respectfully obeyed, never to be seen from again. One such boy was believed to be Walter Collins. Mm. Clark had been sought out by the police on a tip that said he was an illegal immigrant from Canada. Because in September 1928, a Canadian woman named Winifred Clark contacted U.S. authorities to tell them that her nephew had kidnapped her son and was holding him, uh, which was Sanford. Oh, my God. Okay. While questioning him, Clark broke down and uncovered the hideous events that had taken place in the chicken coops. I got a picture of the coop, of the inside of the coop. Oh, goody. It says coop. Do I want to see it? Well, there ain't bodies in there. Okay, It's cool. just a coop. Oh. I mean, there's a Why hole. Why is there a hole? Uh, probably because they were going to bury bodies in there. I don't know. Girl. It's the inside of a chicken coop. There's a couple of holes. And the green grass grows <laughs> all around. I, see, I'm singing kid songs. And I go dirty. <laughs> she started that. Gotta love Barney. It's the prettiest hole that you ever did see. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part of the song. You can't make this shit up. No, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. When shown pictures of the missing boys, Clark pointed out Walter as one of the victims. Enough evidence was found in order to arrest the Northcotts. Yay! Northcott amused himself by playing mind games with the victim's parents and always danced around the police. I hate it when they do that. Yeah. Stop it. Well, you've already done something horrific. Well, Can most not, bad guys do that. I know, but do you, it's just mean. It's a bad guy trait. Yeah. <laughs> it's just mean. <laughs> I think we're past that point, friend. His mother, Sarah Northcott, followed the same set of guidelines. Oh, good. I got a picture of mom. Oh, let's trash her. This is Sarah. Oh. This is Sarah, and <clears throat> I think she's quite terrifying. She's, um... Handsomely attractive. <laughs> yeah. Nice little bob haircut there. Sarah aided her son in his atrocities in order to, quote, protect him. Yeah, no. Two graves were found, but the full bodies were not there, only pieces of bone. Axes found, among other farm equipment, had human hair and blood on them. Gross. Several bodies were scattered across the ranch, which pathologists later determined to be from male children. Uh, Inside the house, a book checked out by one of the Winslow boys was found. Uh, the brothers that we talked about earlier. Also, more letters to their parents were written. A child's whistle, ukulele, and several Boy Scout badges were also found. But nothing that could be directly linked to Walter Collins. Damn it. And of course, you know, it's 1928. There's no DNA. And stuff. Right. Gordon Stewart Northcott's trial began in January 1929. You want to see a picture of him? I guess. When he, um, I cut this part out, I guess, but when he committed these crimes, he was 21 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he also looks terrifying. Yes, he do. Um, If I saw him, I would definitely walk the other way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd cross the street. For sure. 
Every picture I saw of him was like, he's creepy. It was terrifying. That smile is freaking creepy. It ain't I okay. don't like it. Mm-mm. I'm going to go off of that. Yeah. Okay. Northcott fired several defense attorneys and decided to defend himself, which always works well. Yeah, good, good choice, sir. He admitted to abusing young boys because he loved them. The fuck? No. He even had his mother testify for him. She claimed she was actually... Okay. Here we go, friends. Pay attention. Cool. All right. This family tree is getting a little squiggly. <laughs> <laughs> She claimed she was actually his grandmother because her husband had raped her daughter, Winifred, and Northcott was Winifred's son. I'm sorry, what? I'm going to have to read that again. So, you know, little Clarky Sanford? Yeah. His nephew? Yeah. Would it actually technically be his brother? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. The mom that said, my nephew stole my son? Yep. Now it makes sense. Uh That's her son. Oh, my God. So, really, her son stole her son? Great. It's all awful. This is some backwoods. Here, it, it gets worse. <laughs> oh it's okay. It's God. fine. It's, it gets worse. Okay. Northcott also claimed to have an incestuous relationship with Sarah, his mother, um, and that his father had molested him. Yep. What are words? <laughs> what are words? I have none. Okay. Yeah. Um, Northcott's defense was odd, and it was obvious that he was no lawyer. Yeah. Along with the strange defense, Sarah didn't prove to be a very credible witness, <laughs> since think? the only continuous statement she made was that she would do anything for Gordon. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not... That's creepy. Mm. And in this moment, it made me think about the Adams Family, when... <laughs> Because wasn't his name Gordon? Yeah, it was. It was. It's Gordon. Gordon, come to mommy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, mother. I'm sorry, mother. <laughs> On February 8th, 1929, an all-male jury convicted Northcott for the first-degree murders of the Winslow brothers and Alvin Gothia. That was um, the Latino boy. Oh, okay. Okay. Judge George R. Freeman sentenced him to death. Northcott was hanged on October 2nd, 1930. Cool. And he was one of the last people hung in California. Okay. Northcott's mother confessed to the murder of Walter Collins. What? She said she delivered the final blow to the boy and then buried him in a hole near the chicken coop. Sanford Clark said his grandmother had told them that if they each hit the boy, then they will be equally guilty if caught. Mm -hmm. Sarah Louise Northcott was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Walter Collins, but Christine was not convinced. Yeah. While Sarah confessed to murdering Walter, uh, the story kept changing. Oh, well, there you go. When they couldn't recall Walter's eye color or clothing or even meeting him, it gave the grieving mother hope her child was still alive. Mm -hmm. Christine remarried, but never had another child. She continued to search for her son until her own death on December 8th, 1964. Yikes. Shortly after Northcott's execution, the Wineville chicken coop murders were finally put to rest after the citizens decided to change the town's name. Yeah. They changed it to Miraloma, which means view from the hill in Spanish. This name change helped the town to dissociate from the horrific acts on that poultry farm. But really, there's the interweb, so we all know. We all know, Miraloma. (laughs) We just revealed that. Sorry. You're not hiding anything. 
I mean, it's pretty, but, but um, yeah. So I watched the movie too. Okay. And what'd you think? While there were differences, some pretty big differences, it stayed pretty on the nose. I mean, there was a couple of well, I, I mean, say they, pretty big differences. There were some big missed details, like mother was not mentioned in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, his yeah. father being Walter's father being in prison was not mentioned in the movie. And then in the movie, there was this whole incorporation of the reverend getting her out of the hospital. And, oh yeah, and all that. Um, that didn't happen, but. Yeah, I mean, they do throw a, a few other, you know, little yeah. entertaining details. And that's why whatever, they say dramatized, but, mm-hmm. you know. But it was really good. It is good. It mm-hmm. is definitely worth watching. It is a very good film. I, I'd totes watch again. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's my case, friends. Two enthusiastic thumbs up. All right, so it's time for my case. Um, Here we go. I did um Lost Girls. Okay. That was that was a fun one to watch. It's on Netflix. So it's a mystery film that debuted on Netflix March thirteenth of twenty twenty. It's a dramatized account of an unresolved true crime story about a serial killer on New York's Long Island. So I have a picture of the movie cover. Okay. I will explain who Day is. Is that the lady that um She's been in a lot of stuff. Was she in The Office? That's weird. It is. So she was in both of our movies. Okay. Holy shit. Because in my... That is weird. In my movie, she was the woman in the psychiatric hospital that uh, helped out Angelina yes, Jolie. Yes, she was. She was yes, the she was. lady of the night. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That is an unplanned coincidence. That's so funny. <laughs> we did not do that on purpose okay, at all. Get it, Holly Flax. I didn't know you were in so much stuff. Yeah, she's, like, famous. Yeah. All right. Well, there's the movie. There's also a book um, based on it from 2013 by the same name um, by author Robert Kolker. The movie. Huh? Kolker. That's a fun last name. It is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like I'm just making a random noise. Kolker. (laughs) Kolker. So, like, you're joking. (laughs) By Robert (laughs) Okay, sorry. The movie (laughs) So the movie (laughs) centers on Mary Gilbert, played by Amy Ryan. Holly Flax. (laughs) A single mother of three juggling multiple jobs whose daughter Shannon goes missing after meeting with a client in the Oak Beach area of Long Island. During Mary's search for Shannon, police discover bodies of several women most of whom are believed to be sex workers. Enraged at the way that the law enforcement ignores their cases, Mary takes it upon herself to advocate for her daughter by joining the families of other missing and murdered sex workers and convincing police to investigate. Get it, girl. Yeah. Because they're way too ignored. Go, Mama Mary. A heartbreaking story about one mother's efforts to find answers about her child and the community she builds along the way. Lost Girls is the narrative feature debut for director Liz Garbus, whose previous work has focused on documentaries. Garbus says it was important to focus this story on the families of the murder victims, drawing out their relationships to their lost loved ones and portraying sex workers as three-dimensional people, like real people. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
especially because they are so often rendered in stereotypical terms and dismissed by authorities. Way too often. Mm -hmm. Stop it. It's a story about believing women, about the power of community and family, Garbus told Time magazine. And it's a story about the value of human life and the judgments that our system puts into the lives. So here's what we know about the true story part behind Lost Girls. Okay. An aspiring actor and college student from Jersey City who worked as an escort, Shannon Gilbert, disappeared at the age of 24 on May 1st, 2010. She went to go see a client that night. She actually had two. Okay. She was at one, and then she got a call. She used to be with an escort service. Mm -hmm. She went out on her own with a driver from the escort service. Okay. So she got another call, and they were like, wow, it's really far, but screw it. It was going to be $450 for two hours. Mm -hmm. So they went, I have a picture of Shannon. There she is. Shannon and all her fabulous get up. Get it, go. Them lips. She got lips, too. She does. And they are natural. I'm pretty sure. Are her eyebrows threaded? Oh my God. I don't know, but they're always perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I love her jacket, too. Mm-hmm. Get it, girl. Here's the thing, though. A haunting recording of a 911 call made the day she disappeared reveals that she was screaming, they're trying to kill me. The call lasted 23 minutes, okay? Oh, my gosh. 23 minutes. She went missing after visiting this house in a gated community in Oak Beach, Long Island. Joseph Brewer, who lived there, had responded to Shannon's online ad. Fucking social media. Get Stop it. It was probably Backpage or whatever it's called. It was Craigslist and Backpage mm-hmm. is what she used. <laughs> I have that further down. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly before 5 a.m., Shannon, afraid for her life, called 911 and ran out of the house falling down the steps. Described as panicked and disoriented by witnesses, she knocked on the doors of two other houses in the community. She was last seen running on the quiet roads of the Oak Beach Association, which was the name of of the neighborhood. Okay. Police told 48 Hours that they don't consider her client, Joseph Brewer, to be a suspect. He's been cleared. Uh, why? Okay. This story is so freaking crazy, I'll give you a little, a little synopsis of it. So she goes to this guy's house. They leave for about 15 minutes. Michael Pack is her driver. He's waiting outside for her, and he's like, okay, I'll be here. Mm -hmm. So they come back after 15 minutes. According to her family, she's not a drug user. Okay. But people think that maybe they went to go get drugs. Okay. Then about 5 a.m., Joseph comes out of the house to the driver, and he's like, you got to get this girl out of here. She's going fucking psycho. She's screaming, thinking that I'm going to kill her. She thought that Michael was trying to kill her, that he was in on it, and she just takes off running. Okay. She goes to several different houses. At first, they did not release the 911 call. Okay. It's now been released. You can listen to the whole thing. She does not make any sense. Like, they're trying to talk to her and tell her it's okay. She's not in her right mind, obviously. Yeah. She did suffer from bipolar, Mm -hmm. being bipolar. So that mixed with something else or just had a psychotic break. We're not really sure. Okay. So let's go look at Oak Beach. Okay. So you can get an idea of where she was running around at. That's a good aerial view of it. Um, There are houses and stuff down there. And lots of fancy boats and stuff. This was a a, re, a, a rich neighborhood. No. Oh yeah, a little <laughs> bit. It was there. It was their summer homes. Okay. Hmm. Good for you, friends. Goals. 
While they were looking for Shannon, police discovered the bodies of four other women in December of 2010. Okay. More remains were found in 2011, eventually leading to the discovery of at least six other people, many of whom were believed to also be sex workers who had disappeared without explanation. All in the same general vicinity? Uh Uh-huh. Their bodies were found near um, Gilgo Beach, which is right next to it. There's Oak Beach, Gilgo, and then there's Jones Beach. Okay. On Long Island's South Shore, discoveries that shocked local residents and the New York community at large. Police have said that they suspect a single serial killer was responsible for their deaths. There's also theories that there were two. Okay. But we're going to do this case later on because there is so much to get into. I'm having to keep my mouth shut. Okay. Although Shannon's remains were eventually recovered in a marsh near near Gilgo Beach on Jones Beach Island on December 13th, 2011, police have said that they don't believe that her death was linked to these others. They suspect that she drowned. There's conspiracy with that, too. The Gilbert family did not agree with this assertion and released an independent autopsy in 2016 that suggested Shannon could have been murdered. Her, hyo- her hyoid bone was missing. Oh. Um, the others appeared to like be strangled. Been, yeah. And that's a telltale sign of so being like strangled. like she'd been strangled and thrown into the water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's in a really thick marsh. There's a thicket on the other side. Supposedly, it's really hard to get to. So they... She could have been strangled and left for dead and not have actually died. Mm-hmm. Just been unconscious mm-hmm. and then drowned. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. There's, I have a definite theory, but later episode. Okay. Okay. So Amy Ryan's character in Lost Girls is a complicated figure. A mother who loves and cares for her three daughters, even though she sometimes relies on them for money and emotional support. Shannon helped her out a lot with bills. Okay. She knew what her daughter was doing, but according to the movie, she just kind of turned accepted the money. A lot of people gave her shit for that, but. I'm I'm not in that situation, so I'm not going to judge. Who are we to judge? Yeah. I have a photo of Mary, and it's like a side-by-side of the actress that played her as well. I think they did a pretty good job with the hairstyles and everything. Mm -hmm. I think they did a really good job. Yeah, they did. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So hardworking, angry, and determined to find answers— Mary becomes the de facto leader of the families who come together in the wake of their relatives' disappearance and the discovery of their remains. All feel ignored and demoralized by the lack of effort from police. Okay, when she made that 911 call, it took them like 45 minutes to get out there. They did go try to check, but they couldn't find her. She was on the phone with them for 23 minutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, they, they dropped the ball. That's one theory of why they didn't release her 911 call, because... There were so many errors made that it would make them look bad. Yeah. But it's it's um, it's definitely worth a listen. But Mary's anger pushes authorities to act, even though it takes several months for them to locate Shannon's remains. Okay, so in real life, Mary Gilbert, a mother to four daughters, became a fierce advocate for murder victims in the wake of her daughter's disappearance. Her own attempt to find Shannon led to the discovery of several others. Thank God. Right. Mary, who reportedly suffered from mental illness as well, struggled to get help for Shannon as she was growing up. And one of her other daughters also dealt with her own mental health issues. 
According to Garbus and other reports, the daughters grew up going in and out of foster care, which is referenced in the film. Kind of towards the end, it kind of slips when a, one of the detectives is talking to Mary about Shannon being in foster care and stuff. So I have a picture of her two sisters that were in the movie and also the characters that played them as well. Okay. This is Sarah Gilbert and her uh, counterpart. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one that suffered from mental illness. They all got lips, huh? Yes, they do. That's what I was saying. That's natural. Mm-hmm. That's natural. That That's, mm-hmm. They all definitely have the lips going on. So then there's a picture of the other sister. I'm not exactly, I think it's Cher. Yeah, I, was I didn't really hear him say it in the movie, honestly. I was thinking Cherie. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But I honestly do not remember them saying her name in the movie. So I'm not. I don't know. We'll go with Cherie. Cher, Cherie, Cher, or Cherie. Whoever but she, got she the may lips become. Too. Yes. And she was closer to Shannon than Sarah was. They all have S names. Mm-hmm. It's cute. I don't know about the fourth one. There's... Where's yeah? Where's the other one? There's no info. Okay, she decided to stay out of it. Yeah. So Garbus, um, which is the d- director of the movie, just in case you forgot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mother herself says that she understands the struggles Mary must have faced in trying to get her children the right care in a system that often overlooks people of lesser means, particularly those with mental health issues. Truth. To grapple with mental illness and not being able to get help for it, and then to have that child go missing and become a murder victim, the enormous guilt you feel, she says. The agony of not being able to help or find a solution, that pain is very real. Yes. So, this is sad. This is really sad. Okay. And the reason I'm telling you so much about Sarah and Shannon and everybody is because the movie really focused a lot on them. Right. I'll tell I'll tell you more of the actual crime in just a minute. Like the real shit. Okay. But in 2016, about six years after Shannon disappeared, Mary Gilbert was murdered by Sarah. Oh my gosh. Sarah suffered from schizophrenia and she had a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And Mary went to grab her and try to control her and um she was hit over the head with a fire extinguisher. Oh my gosh. And stabbed. She was found guilty of mur- murdering her mother and sentenced to 25 years in prison in 2017. The movie actually even did touch on it and this was before like the time that the movie was made, they play reels of Mary, like the real Mary mm-hmm. afterwards, so she was still alive. Like this was not and they even showed her mental illness then yeah. with Sarah. Like they knew something was off, but they did a really good job of they revealed it, but they didn't reveal it. Yeah. Well, they kind of revealed it because it didn't happen yet. No, right. Well, they revealed that, that like there was something different about her, that, the, oh, that okay. she was on medication and, you know, her daughter was like, wait, I saw her medications. I thought you said you took her to a psychiatrist. So they touch on it, but they don't actually say what it is. And I thought that they did a really good job yeah. about that. Lost Girls does not dwell as much on the mystery that remains to this day. Preferring instead to explore how the systems were supposed to protect people often end up neglecting those most in need. Garbus, recognizing the movie does not have a tidy ending, says it's more about how a person can survive a de- devastating tragedy. 
in terms of forgiving yourself and accepting yourself as a good mother, that you can move forward and parent the child you do have, she says. That was the resolution I found for Mary in this story. Okay. That's the movie. Okay. I'm going to go um, and explain what all this crap means. Okay? Okay. So here's the crime stuff. This all started way before Shannon. Beginning in 1996, police dis- started discovering human remains near Gilgo Beach on Long Island South Shore. And for the next decade, they kept finding more. So this was before Shannon. They were already finding bodies. But they held on to them. Thank God. But it was parts. Okay. Not not bodies, not full bodies. It was parts like arms, legs, torso. I'm with you. Okay. But it actually paid off in 2010 when a new discovery led them to believe that all the victims could be linked and end up being the work of a single murderer dubbed the Long Island Serial Killer. Okay. So that's the case we're going to do later. <laughs> that December, Suffolk County Officer John Malia. Malia? Malia. 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 I don't know. I didn't. They didn't say it in that either. Anyways, and his specialized cadaver dog were searching for Shannon. But as the dog tried to pick up Gilbert's scent, it led him to something much worse. There remains of four other bodies. Mm. All within 500 feet of each other in the span of a week. It was another like, oop, there's a body. (laughs) There's a body. Um, Yeah, so let's go take a picture of the marsh. Or take a look at the picture of the marsh. Let's go take pictures of the marsh. Let's go to the marsh. It doesn't look very marshy. Well, when you, not by Louisiana standards. No, no, this is um, definitely a Long Island marsh. (laughs) This is not what we're used to. There's not one gator in there. So there's the marsh and all the houses of the neighborhood where she was. And they found all the other bodies around there as well. Police immediately launched an extensive investigation into the so-called Gilgo Four. By the end of 2011, they found the six more sets of human remains near the same stretch of Ocean Parkway. To this day, four of the victims remain unidentified. I hate that. Yep. Um, and there could be as many as six more. Oh, yeah. They're, they found a bunch. But that's, even... That's too many bodies. It's, it's a lot of bodies. Today, the mysterious murder is known as the Long Island Serial Killer, also known as Lisk. It is believed wait, that... Wait, wait, wait. What? Who calls them Lisk? Long Island Serial Killer. Yeah. Who says that? Because it's easier to say. That's... that's Everybody dumb. calls him Lisk. I don't. I've never heard that. Well, the true crime world does. Oh, well, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Okay. Um, he's also known as the Gilgo Beach Killer, the Craigslist Ripper, and the Manorville Butcher. Yay. Lots of names. Manorville. Mm-hmm, because it's um, a, a little spot near there as well. Okay. So it's believed that he did, he killed between 10 and 16 people. All of but one were women. There was a tiny Asian male <laughs> that was found and he was wearing female's clothing. So they think that maybe he was a cross dresser. Okay. And when the killer yeah. found out, he just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so after they found all those victims along the Ocean Parkway, The commissioner, Richard Dormer, made a blink announcement. (laughs) 
He flatly told the press and community, four bodies found in the same location pretty much speaks for itself. It's more than a coincidence. We could have a serial killer. Mm, you yeah, think? You do. You do, son. You do. So, the Giglo f- Gilgo Four were um, 22-year-old Megan Waterman, 25-year-old Maureen Brainerd Barnes, 24-year-old Melissa Bartholomew, and 27-year-old Amberlyn Costello. I do have a picture of them, since they were kind of the main ones that were found first. It says Gilgo Four. Okay, Amber Lynn has the chunky blonde highlight. I know. Totally speaking <laughs> of that time. And who's who's the bottom left? Melissa. That's Barth- Melissa. Bartholomew has almost no eyebrows, which is also in keeping with the times. And like she's a natural brunette. You can tell this is early 2000s. Right oh, definitely. Here. Definitely. But that's so sad. Mm-hmm. Poor girls. I don't like it. Mm-mm. Investigators determined that they had several things in common. Um, they all used Craigslist or Backpage. They were all sex workers, all tiny and young in their 20s. Each woman's body was found in individual burlap sacks, and their autopsies revealed that they all died from strangulation. Shannon was not found in a burlap sack and stuff, so that's why they think Maybe it's they different. should be searching for people that buy burlap sacks in bulk. For goodness sake. Well, Who does that? There's one suspect that they dismissed um, in the movie. Dr. Peter Hackett. Hackett? Hackett. Okay. And he had burlap and ropes and shit in his shed outside. Okay. So, I don't think they... Well, let's put a pin in that yep. for later. Mm-hmm. A few months into the... Lisk serial killer case. Oh my God. <laughs> Police write, widen their search area based on evidence from the first four women. By March 2011, they discovered four more. A month later, they found another three, one mile east of the Gilgo Four. Yeah, they weren't wrapped in burlap, but they determined that investigators needed to widen their scope, scope even further for any more potential victims. Well, he this had missed true. he had missed a trip to the feed store. <laughs> So he was out of sacks. Well, I mean, they do How change many feed their stores are in Long Island. Around here, that's where you get burlap sacks. Yeah, we have a few. But is the I... feed store and bodies don't last in marshes around here? Oh hell no! Gators all don't that, eat them up already. Mm-mm. Yeah, all that humidity and that's how you know this and, didn't happen in Louisiana. Yeah, it was definitely not in Louisiana. So they found more. And the additional seven bodies were enough to pull surrounding officers and the New York State Police. They they got everybody. They shut down the highways. Like, you had to reroute. They pulled everybody in. Only one of these last bodies to be discovered has been identified. 20-year-old New York City resident Jessica Taylor went missing in 2003. At the same time she vanished, vanished she also made her living with sex work. She was buried near another woman... A child Ew. and the only male victim. They found a child. That's not cool. Like a toddler. I mean, none of this is cool, but yeah. that's that's really super not cool. Um, but the crazy thing about the mom and the toddler is that they were in separate places. But Jessica was found near the kid. Like, it's, it's so weird. weird. It's so weird. On April 11th, 2011, police found two human teeth after cutting through the brush along Ocean Parkway. 
No victim has been linked to this evidence. Oh, so this is somebody else's teeth. Somebody else. Don't know. More remains were found and matched to unidentified victims, but identifying the victims remained challenging. They found a torso. And in 1996, they found they had the legs. So oh, when they the found same person, uh-huh. so they're putting together. Puzzles they're like, here. oh, my God, these legs matched the torso. Fr- like, oh it's so gosh. freaking crazy. I don't like it. I know. So in December 2016, police were able to match a torso found by a hiker in another location in 1997 to dismembered remains found near Jones Beach in neighboring Nassau County. Suffolk County Police issued a reward of $5,000 to $25,000 for any information that led to an arrest of the list killer. That's a big gap. Yeah, I know. I'm like, hold on. Why, why, Why such a... Maybe based on the importance Probably. of the information. But nothing came through. With no further evidence and an inability to identify the victims, the case went cold yet again. Late into the investigation into the list killer, Shannon Gilbert's body was actually found on Oak Beach in the marsh, a short distance from the Gilgo Four. I have a picture of where her remains are. It's not a zoomed-in photo, so you're welcome. Thanks. But you can kind of see, okay, so where she was found, if you go back to that photo of the marsh, mm-hmm. there's a trench that goes down the middle of it that they believe that she ran through as a path to escape. Okay. Because the the reeds in this marsh grow up to like 12 feet high. So you can't see where you're going. And that's where she was found. They finally drained it because the mom, Mary, was like, that's the only place y'all haven't searched. Do it. Get in there. So they did it, and they found her. Put on your hip waders and go find my kid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she was in, she wasn't dismembered or anything. So that's another reason why they think that she was not murdered by him. But in May 2022, police finally released the full audio from her 911 call. Like I said, go listen to that. It consists of 23 minutes, though parts of it are filled with silence between repetitions of her telling the operator, there's somebody after me. And like the operator keeps telling her, where are you? There's somebody after me. Okay, who's after you? There's somebody after me. It's just, it's weird. With new information being released, old case details being reviewed, and the Gilbert family remaining diligent in helping solve the case of their daughter and the other victims, the Long Island serial killer that has tormented New York for decades may soon be found. I freaking hope so. One can only hope. I hope. I hope. I hope. I sure hope so, pal. Oh, my God. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why. That was cute. (laughs) (laughs) You betcha, buddy. You betcha. Yeah. So there's Matt. I'm done. Good job, friend. Thank you. So it's time for another trivia question. Well, first we have to tell who won won the last. We're going to announce those. We have an Instagram and Facebook winner. The Facebook winner is Bonnie Cole. Congratulations. Here's your recognition. And gold star. (laughs) Ding. Good job. Good job, friend. And the Instagram winner is a podcast. Again, Northern Gothic True Crime. Here for that. Yeah, I'm liking it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we're new, we're new Insta friends. So much new friends. <laughs> Hi, new friends. 
So there's the past one. You want to read the previous question and tell them what the answer is? Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who is the only person ever to be charged in connection with the New Bedford Highway murders? The answer is... Drumroll. Kenneth Ponty. Yeah. A former attorney who was acquainted with several of the women whose bodies were discovered near highways after disappearing from New Bedford, Massachusetts in the late 1980s. Where Violet Sanford was from. She turns wise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Violet Sanford. Me too. She's going to make it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I really have good feelings about her. <laughs> All right. So... The new question is... All right. So this is news to me. Okay. How did Charlie Chopoff get his name? Oh, my God. I don't... I don't. Until I read this paper, I didn't know who Charlie Chopoff was, but here we go. Okay. Now we're challenge. Yeah. So I'll read it again one more time. Okay. How did Charlie Chopoff get his name? And your time starts now. TikTok. You have until we record on Friday. Yep. Y'all are doing really good on these. Indeed, friends. Mm-hmm. All right. Well so, done. Um, go to the socials. Mm-hmm. Like us and follow us and all that good shit. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, rate and review us on Apple and Spotify because please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because please. <laughs> because we haven't asked in a really long time and I'm using my manners. Okay, it's but, cute. Yeah, if you like the show, go rate and review. Mm-hmm. It helps people find us. It does. Thank y'all for that. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and friends. I'm gonna go. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagen for art. We'll talk at you next week.